It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And my name is Don Crawford Jr. and I am the grateful owner of KWAM Radio and I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my partner, my attorney who also helps host this program which is called Estate Planning Essentials and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. We've been doing this show for 10 years now, 11 years. Are we, we're up to almost 11 years now and I've learned so much, Michael, from you and you can eventually bill me and I'll make sure, <laughs> like last week's program, I go missing so I never have to pay that bill because I think I owe you a lot for everything you've taught me and the audience and I don't think today's going to be an exception and I'm going to use that word exception again because that's the word you want to use addressing this topic because there are exceptions to be made when it comes to transfers of homes under the Medicaid rules, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we talked about after death, how are the, what are the, there was eight exceptions to uh, Medicaid estate recovery. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about why Medicaid and why estate recovery. Okay. So um, Medicaid, I'm talking mostly about long-term care Medicaid. As we continue to age, um, a lot of times we need care. People have dementia. People have Alzheimer's. Be sure to go to the Alzheimer's Walk on November the 4th. Please. I hope you'll be there. Mm -hmm. Join Michael's marchers. I just uh, read something again today, not about Alzheimer's, but about autism and how they're finding cures for autism. They're figuring out new ways to overcome that. And they think it's very environmentally related. I wanted to mention that to you. And I, I, you taught me years ago, speaking of many things you've taught me over the time we've worked, been together and been partners, that is so environmental. And it seems like with autism, it's very environmental, too. Have you found that? Yeah, I mean, who knows? You would, like to think a lot of different things are environmental. And because we can't figure out, I mean, why cancer? I mean, right. you know, what is it? Is it something that we eat? Is it something that's somewhere we've been? been had exposed to right yeah. exercise whatever it could be same with covid they didn't know what the vaccines were going to do either they just have to hope it works but they were it was kind of a black box even for them yeah i mean and what the and also we don't even know what the uh what will be in the future right and what you know uh sometimes you wonder about foggy brain and right. uh things like that uh, mm -hmm. we don't know what the impact will be we just do try to do what's best for you uh, and whether you feel like it's more important to have the protection or not to have the protection, right. uh, that's going to be an individual choice. Uh, you just go with as much as listen to the what the experts say and 
make your choice. Exactly. And I'm sorry I deviated, but it, it's such an important topic. And you are uh, what the head or the chair of the uh, local Alzheimer's. chapter here in Dallas. Yeah, I'm chair of the uh, Dallas chapter of the Alzheimer's Association mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. Dallas and Northeast Texas. And uh, uh, they're starting to be walks uh, mm -hmm. uh, in October. They're in right. every area. Great. Uh, I'll be the one at no in, in Dallas so on November fourth, but mm -hmm. there'll be other ones. Uh, you know, is it uh, Denton? Is yeah, it one in they're Denton? all over. Okay. They're all over the whole right. metro, met, Dallas and Northeast Texas, around the country for that right. matter, uh, and different ones in different parts of the country or earlier or later. You know, we're, we're able to walk even on November 4th because usually the weather is still good right. uh, here in this area. But we want them to participate, give, raise money, walk. Whatever it takes to try to find a cure for this insidious disease, because it's it's awful. But sorry, Michael, I, I deviate. Um, again, exceptions to the transfer of homes under Medicaid rules. Let's get well, back to that. The, the bottom line is, people do are getting. You know, like you just said, uh, uh, we're getting more people getting Alzheimer's or having some sort of form of dementia. Longer we live, the more right. likely they're going to need care, whether it be at home or nursing home. And, and Medicaid often helps take care of the cost, or at least a portion of the cost, but there are certain requirements. And your home doesn't count as an asset. Right. So even if you move to a nursing home and you say there's an intent to return home, even if you're never going back home, gotcha. it doesn't count as an asset. If you're married, there's no limit to the value. And if you're uh, single, at least in your 2023, the... Um, the equity limit is 688000 okay. In other words, I look at the fair market value, you look at the mortgage. If it's less than six eighty eight, dollars uh, then it doesn't count as an asset. And most people's homes are less than six eighty eight that apply for Medicaid. And then what happens is it's less a fair under six eighty eight. but what if they sell it for a million or it's worth a million, then what? If you sell it during life, mm -hmm. it becomes a countable resource. I see. And then you have too much money for uh, Medicaid. Okay. Uh, if you're single. Now, if you're married... There are some exceptions because if you were on, if you sold, depending on when you sold it, mm -hmm. if you sold it before you applied for Medicaid, well, now you got cash. Okay. So it's no longer an exempt resource. If you sold it after you're on Medicaid, it's a different story because if you got eligibility for Medicaid, then transfers between spouses are an exception to the, the rules uh, as far as a penalty. Um, you know, so you might say, why can't you, and the reason for that, by the way, is that they look at the assets of both the husband and the wife when you apply. You say, oh, I had a prenuptial agreement. Sorry, that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Medicaid's not, remember, it's based on a federal program, not a state program, although the state administers it. So community property laws are not based on, fed, are not federal, there's not federal community property laws. That's state-specific. Although um, we have what's called a community spouse, it has nothing to do with community property under the Medicaid rules. The person that lives at home is typically called the community spouse, but it has nothing to do with community property. Transfers between spouses are, not, are an exception to the rules. Now, my, you might want to say why, uh, as I think we talked about maybe uh, a couple weeks ago on the uh, rules. Why can't you just transfer the asset if it doesn't count as a resource? Why is it subject to Medicaid's five-year look-back period if I don't meet with one of the exceptions? Because in, for Medicaid, they have a right to make a claim against the home after death to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. As we talked about two weeks ago, there are eight exceptions to the rules, one of them which is a surviving spouse. All right, so 
where you have to worry. So some people say, well, what happens if they, uh, you know, change the rules? I want, I don't, I want to be able to. Maybe they want to sell the property during lifetime. What are the exceptions of making a gift during lifetime as opposed to what happens at death, so that uh, we could transfer the home? Now this is just on the home. There are a little bit different rules on individuals as far as gifts. And it depends on, there are certain exceptions on gifting as well. And by the way, the rules are changed. We'll have a show on this in the future. In September, uh, there's a new divisor on determining how much, what the penalty is. They look at the average cost of care. That'll be, that's coming, that came out uh, here in September. Mm -hmm. That'll be a future show. Okay. Um, Okay. So, uh, so there are certain exceptions, though, the rules. Uh, you maybe wanted to give it uh, the property away during life. You didn't want to uh, – uh, you wanted to be able to have somebody sell it maybe uh, during your lifetime, and it wouldn't matter for Medicaid. All right. So uh, – and you didn't want to have Medicaid estate recovery at the end mm-hmm. where the state has a right to make a claim against the home to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. So, for example, if you're in a nursing home – uh, for several years, uh, or maybe a long time, it could be ten years with mm-hmm. some dementia. Oh, hundreds of thousands of dollars that the government paid to help pay for your care. So the government says, "Okay, I want my money back." Right. And my and any cost of drugs too. Okay. Drugs are also covered by Medicaid. So you could see why they would want their money back. So one of the things is we just just said if there's a spouse at home. Uh, you could transfer the home to the spouse. But one second here. There are some things that we have to think about before you, we have to look before we leap. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago that one of the exceptions uh, for one of the problems is title companies. Title companies say that, look, under the Texas Constitution, you, a spouse has what's called a life estate. Uh, there's this Texas Constitution of a life estate. If I have, I always have a life estate. How am I going to be able to transfer the property between husband and wife, or whatever, same-sex marriage, whatever you want to? It doesn't matter if you're married. How do I transfer it? Will a title company insure that? Well, most title companies would say you can't do it, or many of them won't. But we use a certain language. They said this is if we we say uh, we actually do a partition agreement, so like a postnuptial agreement as part of a deed. This is the sole and separate property, and we're doing it for Medicaid purposes. We are doing this, so you have to have we do it for special language in there, so that um, we might be able to have not a, have a problem with a title company. Why would you do that, by the way? Maybe there was a second marriage. Remember, if you have children from a different marriage, then you'd have to probate the will. Most people don't realize this, I might add. You see this as a common problem. Oh, I was married, so I automatically get the home. No. Yeah. No. Even if the will said it, unless you probate the will, unless the court says that the will was good, now you're going to share the property with the children of this deceased spouse. They have an interest by law if you didn't probate the will. Brutal. Yeah, most people are not aware of it. And even if, if the county, we see it happen all the time, uh, they call the county clerk and they say, hey, I'm a surviving spouse. Okay, we'll put the house in your name. Mm-hmm. 
but title companies look and laugh. You bet. You know, man, uh, uh, man plans, God laughs. Well, yeah, whatever. Exactly. You know, so uh, they say no. That we don't go, but we don't look at what we look at the actual chain of title. We're looking at the law and the chain of title before we're going to insure. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, so why would you do that? Well, besides partitioning and saying it's your separate property, uh, you know, a lot of times in estate planning, uh, if I have a will that says everything to my spouse and that spouse is on Medicaid, well, if you're single, all you could have is a couple thousand dollars. So... What happens if the quote-unquote well spouse, the one that lives in the community, dies first? Instead of having a will that says it goes all to spouse directly, you could have a certain type of trust, a supplemental needs trust inside your will. And then if that house sells, the proceeds go to take care of the ill spouse, and then it goes to the children or wherever the people want. So the same disposition pattern is met as was originally intended. We've taken care of the ill spouse to have things. Let's say we want to have an extra caregiver at the nursing home or at home. uh, and use that those funds, and so instead of having to spend down to two thousand dollars, then we have planned uh, in the event that the well spouse dies first, mm-hmm. and if it's all their sole and separate property, whether it be the home or anything else for that matter. So it usually, even if you have uh, different cash assets, even if you have an individual account in your own name, unless it was acquired prior to marriage or something like that, it doesn't mean that it's not community property. I earned money, and I'm just going to put this money in an account in my name only. Does that make it separate property? No. It's still community property if it's earned during marriage. Okay. So, so if you have a partition agreement... Which also gets into the thing is another thing that you should be looking at mm-hmm. your power of attorney. How much powers? Who do you trust? Um, of course, there could be a double-edged sword. You want to have the ability to do different types of things for you if you lack capacity. One of the things that is not normally in a power of attorney is the right to partition. Now you got to trust that spouse. But it could be useful in a situation like this so that we could have a, a partition agreement so it's all the sold separate property. So if that person dies first, it goes into the by the will uh, into a trust that doesn't count for Medicaid. And by the way, you cannot do that in a revocable living trust. It can only be done by a will. These are Medicaid rules. So as we've talked about on the show, one of our shows at prior times, usually revocable living trust. Although they're good for people who are dis- disabled often, voids probate, voids guardianship, they're often not good in the Medicaid world. Interesting. Yeah, even if I put the home in a trust, it, in a revocable living trust, you've changed the nature of the home from being countable, from not being countable, to being countable under the Medicaid rules. So if you had a $200,000 home and you put the home in a trust, originally that $200,000 didn't count. When you put it in the trust, all of a sudden it does count. So I'm going to have to take it back out of the home, out of the trust, rather. And then you can't have it, although, and then you can't have it where it says it goes by trust from the trust to the surviving spouse automatically. Uh, if I want to do a special needs trust, it has to be done in a will. It's just a Medicaid rule. So mm-hmm. when you do estate planning uh, or if you're doing long-term care planning, you have to know both 
if the person doesn't have long-term care insurance, or if they have inadequate income or resources. These are types of questions that you have to find out so that you can know what's best and let that person know what their options are. So sometimes it's better to do a will. Sometimes it's better to do a trust. It really depends on what the facts are. Interesting. As a boy growing up, I would play dominoes. And I would see dominoes all set up on a big board. And then when you finally hit the first domino, then they all drop and thousands drop. And they all go many different directions. And sometimes you have two or three paths that the dominoes go. And then they come back together. And this is, I'm reminded by that based on what you said today. It just seems like there's so many directions things can go. And they could be very advantageous or very dangerous directions, depending upon how people have their plans set up. Yeah, it, you know, the problem is that you have to think about all the bad things. Yeah. So most people think about the way the world is right now. They don't think about what nope. could happen. We talked right. about last week's show about, uh, we talked about the fires in Hawaii and mm-hmm. whether there's missing persons and things like that. All right, well, the, there's laws. But nobody thinks about what happens if somebody's missing. What if we wiped out the whole tourist industry? What yeah. would happen? Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody's even brought that up or thought about it. If they have, that's wonderful. But there are probably too many who have not. Yeah. What happened? You know, we're seeing more people with COVID again, you know, and there's going to be variants and mm-hmm. uh, new vaccines. And, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, who thinks about who used to think about a pandemic? I'm not sure I even knew what the word pandemic meant before COVID. Agreed. A new epidemic, but I didn't know what the difference was. Right, right. But, so, so now you have to think about all these bad things. But see, Michael thinks about this for a living. He's machine gun Mike. I've called him that forever because he machine guns you with the questions, what if, what if, what if? And he'll do that at his next workshop and then the vision meeting to follow. The next workshop is on October the 14th, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning. And Michael, these workshops are invaluable because, first of all, they're free. Uh, you get coffee, you get KWM coffee mugs, you get donuts, you get croissants, and you get a superb education, but it's a workshop, not a seminar. Yeah, we call it a workshop because it's interactive. We ask, You don't have to ask questions, but we ask people what they want to know. And generally, people have some questions. They said, you know, I'd really like to know whatever. It could be something about wills, or it could be something about trust, or it could be something about Medicaid. It could be something about probate. It could be any number of things in connection with estate planning. Mm-hmm. Um, could be about tax, whatever it may be. It could be about powers of attorney. We never know what people are going to ask, and so we ask, what do you want to know? And each workshop, for the, we've been doing them for over 10 years. Each workshop's different because the questions are different each time. Um, and it's, it's free, like you say. And if you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, which is on October 14th at 10 o'clock on a Saturday. Where is the workshop, incidentally? It's at our conference center uh, at our building, which is right across the street from Medical City Hospital in North Dallas. No traffic. At least there shouldn't be that early in the morning or that time of the day, I guess. And on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So usually it's not an issue, uh, you know, uh, so it's not really a problem as far as traffic. Mm -hmm. Um, To go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, uh, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. You also get a free vision meeting. Uh, if you do go only to the people who go 
to the Free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop will give a free one-hour vision reading with me, and we'll go over your individual situation. doesn't cost uh, anything. There's no obligation. Um, we just kind of talk about what bad things could occur. Is that something you want to protect or not? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case, don't don't worry. It's mm-hmm. not. It's no obligation. Right. The uh, nice thing about it is that I've been in radio myself now for 35 years, a long time. And um, I would like people to at least take my word for it. But if they don't, that's fine, too. Um the way to not take my word for it is to go vet Michael yourself by attending this workshop to see for yourself. And if he's not right for you, he's not right, and you move on. I think it's like anything in life. You have to be comfortable, whether it be a spouse or whoever you trust. I think you have to have um, you have to have feel, and if it doesn't feel good, fine. And there's nothing like in person. Right. Never has been and never will be. I don't care about all this technology and every all the video and Zooms. Unless you can press the palm and see the person live, face-to-face, I think you're doing your, yourself a disservice. I agree with you. I mm-hmm. think it's... Um I think it's it's a, almost a shame that a lot of times that uh, things have gotten with the technology. I think uh, p- personal interaction, you just seem to see more. So you kind of get a feel for whomever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's an important thing. So I hope that many of y'all will join our free estate planning essentials workshop on October 14th at 10 o'clock by calling 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. And these are workshops because uh, I, I play with the acronym WDID, what do I do? And Michael can help you with what you need to do now or later when it comes to your state planning, government assistance, et cetera, et cetera. He's an expert in this area. Thank God for him. And you'll see, you'll get your questions answered at the workshop, and then you'll get more questions answered in the vision meeting, and you should conclude this this man's the right man to help me. Well, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me get back to a few of the other things and some okay. things that, that we consider. Uh, the, you know, when you do, when we we just mm-hmm. talked about a transfer of the spouse, but there could be a, a tax issue. Mm-hmm. Remember, okay, so Texas is a community property state, so if one spouse dies in Texas, you get an automatic step up in basis, a recalculation of the basis to the value of the first spouse to die. Great. If it becomes a sole and separate property, you lose that step up. So let's say the husband was ill and I had transferred and partitioned the property mm-hmm. to these spouse, surviving spouses, a sole separate property. The property goes way up in value. I could have had a step up and may have to pay a uh, if 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 I had just kept it without the partition. Uh, whereas if um, uh, when I did the partition, I didn't get the step up. Yeah. So you have to consider the tax issues right. in addition to. So you, it's a counseling thing. Here's what your risk is. Mm-hmm. Here's what your reward is. Mm-hmm. Here's what if this. Ha- if you die first, then we could do this. If he dies first. You know, then there's this tax issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to kind of say, what's the risk? What's the reward? What do you? What's more important to you? Yeah, I like that. Um, death and taxes are inevitable, as you guys know. You've heard whoever said it, Ben Franklin, whoever said that, and uh, Michael said that cost-benefit analysis. What works for you now and in the future? 
A next example is something also we talked about was an exception after you die. Mm-hmm. If you make a transfer to a minor or a disabled child, mm-hmm. that is an exception to the rules. Again, now be careful, especially on the well. I don't know you want. I've never seen one to the a child. It can't be a grandchild. Uh, it has to be a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so we don't really see that because most of the people that are uh, on long term care Medicaid are elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the disabled child is a common thing. But you have to be careful. Uh, let's say the you transferred a home and that disabled child was on SSI, which is a Medicaid program. Uh, if they had were already living someplace else at when their homestead, that might mean they have too much resources and they would lose their Medicaid pro, Medicaid benefits. Mm-hmm. Or um, so usually it would be more if somebody was. Uh, disabled and on social security disability so they just couldn't work anymore and that's not means tested but again you have to consider that step up issue before i give it to you just look at the uh what did you what did the person originally purchase it at uh what is the basis or if there was a spouse that died what has it been stepped up so you have to consider the capital gains tax issue before you give to that disabled child always consider taxes yeah and remember we talked about the disabled uh child after death is an exception to Medicaid estate recovery anyway. Mm-hmm. So now you may have had the tax issue uh, by giving to them. The only benefit would have been that the kid could have sold during lifetime, perhaps. Oh, right. Okay. And so there wouldn't be a delay. Uh, transfer to a sibling who has an equity interest in the home has lived there for at least a year. So let's say there was three kids and they inherited property from mom. None of them were married, for example, and they all lived at the same home. Well... They could transfer their equity interest to their brother or sister, and it wouldn't. It's an exception to the rules if they've lived there for at least one year. Okay. Real quickly, uh, we t- there's if you have a child who's taken care of you for at least two years, that's prevented institutionalization. The government says thank you. We didn't have to pay. You could transfer the your home to your child who took care of you. You will need to get proof from the doctor. You have to prove that you live there. Again, consider the capital gains tax. And finally, but not last but not least, uh, ladybird deeds and transfer on death deeds, you retain control. It avoids Medicaid state recovery. It's not considered a transfer because you always have the ability to change your mind. You always have the ability to control. No, it's not going to go that way after all. I could cancel the transfer on uh, death deed and have it go some other place. I have a ladybird deed. I could do a new ladybird deed to replace it. So I really have it transferred. So it's not sub, it's not a penalized event because I retain control. A ladybird deed, I have a right to live at the home, change my mind on who the beneficiaries are. I could sell it, lease it, mortgage the property. I could do whatever I want besides changing my mind, transfer on debt deed. I could also cancel the deed. It's not a penalized event. Great. You need that flexibility. The way to make sure you have that is to sign up for Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, October the 14th at 10 a.m. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop 
by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.